electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people are my friends. I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Today... Today I went to a brand spanking new Norwegian cruise line holding ship for its inaugural launch right here in New York City. And all I can tell you is that once again, we are struggling as investors because we simply cannot predict human behavior. The cruise ship seemed filled with joyous people who were ecstatic about being on one of these things without masks. They had, that had been the protocol. Now it's gone. They were itching to spend at the bars and the gambling tables. Of course, that's not a reason why people should buy or sell stocks, including this bummer of a day where the Dow shed 347 points. S&P lost 1.02%. NASDAQ declined 0.68%, giving back some of those big gains. But it's something you have to think about because so much of picking stocks comes down to gauging the public psyche. And that is inherently subjective. It's why I'm always trying to relate what you see in the real world with what you get in the stock market. So I see a full boat of people on a Norwegian cruise ship, and I think, you know what? That is bullish. Bullish for the company. But then I realize it's great for the economy, too. And you know what? That's bad for the stock market. Remember, the Federal Reserve is on a mission to slow the economy, and any sign of strength will cause them to raise interest rates more aggressively. Oh, let me put you another way. If you own the stock of Norwegian Cruise... You want it to do well, but you also want the rest of the travel industry, especially the other cruise lines, to do poorly, because that's the only way to avoid the wrath of the Fed and still make money on Norwegian. And look, that's the calculus in every industry. Last night, we received the terrific September sales numbers from Costco. They haven't had to roll back prices yet. They're just asking their suppliers to lower what they charge to reflect lower commodity costs. Costco is an inflation fighter. We want people to shop there because if you, you, how much they can save uh, uh, on food. 
When they get the suppliers down, they will take their prices down, too. Will the Fed include that in its thinking? Nah, that's too, as we say it in the business, too granular. We also own Costco for the Chapel Trust because its sales are so much better than everyone else's. And they're great at taking market share because of their low prices. But the Federal Reserve doesn't acknowledge the role of any single chain, even if that chain happens to have 119 million cardholders, most of them from the U.S. Again, we want Costco to do well, and we want the Fed to notice that they're helping in the fight against inflation. We don't want them to look at the other guys who are doing well, too, if they are doing well. But the Fed doesn't think like that. Nor can the Fed figure out the work-from-home movement. They'd know if they listened to AMD tonight, which reported a shortfall related to PC sales, most likely for the home. The stock's not getting hit too hard because it had already been cut in half. But most companies in the computing space figured the aggressive buying wouldn't last forever. And it didn't. It petered out. But they had made too many PCs in the interim. Now, I point this out because we are on the eve of the Labor Department's all-important non-farm payroll report. When we find out last month's unemployment rate and wage inflation. Now, we've had a good run this week going into the numbers. So today there were traders who locked in some gains because the job report's too hot. Well, it'll wreak havoc on your portfolio. But maybe the data, let's say it doesn't matter. When you listen to some Fed officials, it sounds like they feel compelled to keep bringing the pain no matter what. The house of pain. It's astonishing to me that each Fed official is allowed to make their own statements. Feels like a linebacker coach or a special teams coach in the NFL who publicly diverges from the head coach. That's not allowed. These people have no idea how powerful their words are, and they keep popping off. Maybe they think it's part of their job, but I think part of their job should be to muzzle their views. There's no reason they should be out there talking. Worse, they base their statements solely on the aggregate data from the government, along with some local reports from their specific regions. They seem to have very little sense of the material nature of the post-COVID consumer. They didn't in 2007. They know nothing! And I fear they don't know now. For example, we know that Costco is as strong as ever, but that may be a sign of a strapped consumer. We know the reservations for Norwegian at this point are better than they were in 2018 going into 2019. But is that a flush consumer who's spending like mad? Or a stir-crazed consumer who finally feels safe taking a trip now that we're no longer worried about it's the pandemic. It's the psychology that's so hard to determine. How about air travel? We've been seeing, right? I mean, come on, every plane is, is full wherever we go, extremely full flights. Is that because the consumer spending beyond their means? Or are there just so many events that didn't happen during the worst days of the pandemic? So people are simply catching up with their lives. It's confounding at every turn. The restaurants I want to go to are all packed. People are spending fortunes on liquor. I see it myself because my wife is in the high-end mezcal business. Prices doesn't even seem to be an object right now. It was always an object before. These days, people who don't have a lot of money don't blanch at a $15 cocktail. But when you talk to them, yes, anecdotal, they say they're just thrilled to go out, thrilled to be alive. Do we want interest rates lower to rein that in? Or can we just say, look, they're thrilled to be alive. And they're spending because, uh, like, after a war, they realized they lived, they survived. We had some serious inflation after World War II, and it wasn't the end of the world. And it's more important, it did end. It could be the same thing with cars. There are myriad auto part makers who can't deliver all the components the car companies need. But if you took advantage of remote work to move from the city to the suburbs of the country, you need to buy a car to get around. You can't use public transit. That surge of demand for vehicles is unprecedented. Of course, if you simply look at the macro data, this looks like an overheated auto market that the Fed needs to act aggressively to cool down. I see these issues everywhere. 
So many people took big buyouts at the beginning of the pandemic. Why should they come back to work? We bought off a huge part of the workforce. They're enjoying their freedom. The Fed can entice them back to the office by making it too expensive for them to buy a house or a car with borrowed money. But if they don't want to come back, you can, you can either train a machine to take their place or you have to pay up and educate new people. Of course, at a certain point, the people who were bought out will exhaust their savings and come back to work. But who knows what that point is? Will they run out of money if rates go to 5%? And I do want rates higher. I just don't know how high they should be, and I don't know when they'll come back. And that is the problem the Fed faces. If I were Jay Powell, I'd put together a team of behavioral psychologists to help them figure out how people behave after a war or a pandemic. The euphoria I saw today on the Norwegian cruise ship was almost eerie. The mass being off changed people. They're ready to do things that they wish they had they'd been doing before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. So they're changing their behavior. They don't care about higher rates. They have savings because they did nothing for two years. My biggest worry right now is that the aggregate data can't capture the nature of this one. It's all out of one-time-only euphoria behavior. People who survived the war are not the same as they were before the war. They want to go out and spend like crazy because they lived. They want new things. They want a car. They want a better house. A year from now, there probably will be no euphoria. It'll be over. They'll have spent their excess savings. And that's exactly when interest rates will likely be at their max, because the two-year Treasury simply can't measure the joy of people on a cruise without a mask. The data is inflated, but the two-year 4.2% is a heartless beast, unaware of the person who stopped me on the ship and told me how great it was to be alive again. It measures some amorphous, heartless level of price that just may be too high because we feel different. Here's the bottom line. Sure, everything's, everything's inflated now. But so much of that's because we're coming out of the COVID era. All I can say to Jay Powell and company is that, yes, keep raising rates, but nothing lasts forever. Andrew in New York. Andrew. Hi, big fan. Um, Actually, my 13-year-old son is here, and he has the question, so I'm going to put him on. Thank you. Excellent. Hi, Mr. Kramer. This is Mo. Thank you for taking the time to talk to a 13-year-old Giants fan. Well, uh, 13 old, yes, Giants fan, no. But that's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have a couple of thousand dollars to invest, and I was hoping for your opinion of what I should do with it. I was thinking of either inflation-adjusted bonds or an index fund. If you think an index fund is a good idea, in which sector? And should I wait until the market calms down? No, no, you're 13 years old. You should be in the most aggressive index fund possible that has a lot of high risk, high growth because you got your whole life to make back if you make a mistake. Certainly not bonds. Those are for much later. And I can tell you, you got horse sense because you put that uh, that idea of an index fund in your mix. But let's make it a high growth fund. That would be the best. And thank you for calling. And uh, good luck with the Giants. They're three in one. But to me, it's ephemeral. Let's go to Ricky. Google Ricky in Texas. Ricky. Booyah, amigo. Your fellow mezcal connoisseur started a position with Google Alphabet back in the stock split. I want to know, should I continue building on this position? It's like, time? I think it's like Fosforo, my wife's uh, mezcal. I think it's a buy. I want to be there. I want to buy some. We have big for the Chapel Trust. I think we should be even bigger. And by the way, let me throw in Amazon. I'll give you a two for one. How's that? All right. Inflation is everything now, and we know that. We want rate hikes. We want to tamp it. But so much of what's happening in inflation is just because we're coming out of the COVID era, and you've got to incorporate that in your thinking. 
All I can say to j and company is nothing lasts forever. Oh, man, tonight, Constellation struggled in today's tape, so is it time to take a sip of the beer and wine's spit, uh, kingpin at a lower price? I'm thinking yes, but let's check with the CEO. Then, earlier we had a chance to go on board the brand-new Norwegian Prima, as I mentioned, first-hand look at the latest of the cruise company's numbers, too. And don't miss my exclusive for the CEO. Oh, by the way, and uh, Mercedes is on a mission to become maybe one of the most sustainable car companies on Earth. I'm learning more about the pursuit for a clean future with the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what the heck just happened to the stock of Constellation Brands? This morning, the beer and liquor company, best known for Corona, Modelo, Pacifico, reported by, I thought it was a great quarter. Constellation delivered a big top and bottom line beat with sales up 12% year over year. Well, it wasn't perfect. What quarter is? With wine and spirits operating income coming in a little light, management only raising the high end of their full-year earnings forecast by 10 cents. Still pretty darn good. Yet the stock actually fell more than 1%. At one point today, it was down huge. Full disclosure, we own Constellation for our charitable trust. If we weren't restricted, indeed, when it was down a lot, we would have bought it hand over fist. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Bill Newlands. He's the president and CEO of Constellation Brands. You get a better read in the quarter. Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. All right, so, Bill, 
when you do a number that's as strong as your beer depletion number, uh, 8.9, can you please put that in context for every other beer company's number? I think it's a great point, Jim. I think we'd be hard-pressed to find another company that's put up the consecutive growth profiles that we have over the last several years. Um, and, and frankly, we extended it in this quarter. We grew our share of overall beer, 1.8 share points and 2.5 share points in the high end. So it's unprecedented, the kind of growth that we're seeing. And it's really driven by great consumer demand. And we couldn't be happier with it. OK, so how do you think the consensus got a little bit higher? And the reason I say that is because, to me, there may have been actual reasons why you could have done maybe 11, 12 and just maybe didn't have enough. No, we have plenty. We, we were in very good shape on inventory in this particular in this particular quarter. Um, we, we were very pleased. When you look at the individual brands, Modelo was up double digit. Chiladas were up 60 percent. Modelo Chiladas. Uh, Pacifico was up 37 percent. Corona Extra was up 6 percent. Uh, Pacifico, 37. Our business excelled on almost every dimension in the beer category. Yeah, I guess, I mean, sometimes I'm just confused. I also love the fact that you uh, sold some of the lower end spirits, which will then raise your gross margin going forward. And yet I read all the analyst notes, Bill. No one seemed to care about that. We believe that reformulating our, our, our wine and spirits portfolio toward the high end is something that we've been working on for quite a while now. As you point out, we, we sold last year some of our brands to Gallo. We sold some of the mainstream brands again today. But we're also investing in higher growth, higher margin businesses, which is really where the consumer is. In the past year, we've added Booker, we've added Lingua Franco, we've added Austin Cocktails, you know, brands that are in higher growth sectors that are also going to have a better margin profile than, than what we disposed of. Well, is there a reason then that why you just raised the high end and didn't bother to raise the lower end? Yeah, there's a lot of volatility still in the market, Jim, as you know. Uh, and admittedly, we're being careful. Uh, but certainly, our depletions in the month of September were very strong and very consistent with what our, with what our year-to-date growth pro- profile looked like. So we remain very confident that we're going to have a a very strong year and one that delivers against what we've called out. You'll also note we did raise, uh, particularly in beer, uh, both our top line and our bottom line uh, expectations for the year. Now, uh, was the cadence good through the quarter? It was. It was very good. We see great consumer demand. You know, there's there's always been the question of how, how is the consumer reacting? Uh, Well, we've seen heavy inflationary pressure. One of the things that excited us was the buy rate, both in our beer and our higher end wine and spirits group were up. So people were not only going to the stores more, they were buying more while they were there. And we view that as a strong testament to the success of our business. Uh, Chalada, the growth there is unbelievable. Tell me why that is. Uh, It's not maybe it's it's not one that I'm as familiar with. And I obviously need to be more familiar with it. Chalada is a traditional Mexican beverage. And it started out, frankly, with beer with added uh, tomato juice. Uh, and we've added a number of other different flavor characteristics into uh, that, that, uh, that line. And it's gone great. As you point out, it was up 60% in this quarter. We own 60% of the market. So we have a 60% market share. And what it's really doing is, is it's competing with, that, uh, with those FMBs. Uh, and we're really excited about the potential for it. 
All of that had been done historically with only one size, a 24-ounce can. We're extending it into new use occasions uh, by, by adding 12-ounce cans or by adding variety packs. So we're very, very excited about where that can go in the future. Well, I want people to understand, if you looked at the, uh, the universe, what percentage of the growth of the beer category is Constellation? Well, we're virtually the entire growth of the category. You know, the category overall is relatively flat. There's been some, some uh, green shoots here in the, in the most recent past, but virtually all the growth is us. Um, as, as you point out, our growth profile in this particular quarter was almost 9%, uh, and it clearly leads the category. Modelo was the number one share gainer. Uh, Corona was the number sh- uh, three share gainer. Uh, Limoni Cell, one of the chiladas, was number 15. And Pacifico was in the top 15 as well. So we, we have all of the brands that are really driving the growth in the category. All right, one last question. I, I, I know that it's an afterthought, but because of something that the president did today about pardoning some people involving cannabis, uh, it did make me feel like that people, once again, are hopeful about canopy. You pretty much in this quarter put it to bed. You just basically said, look, we, we don't know what's going to happen. And you're certainly not making, it, making a, a strong case for it. But uh, is that the moment when we should start making the strong case for it? We still think it's going to be a big category. And Canopy certainly has positioned themselves well. Uh, the ecosystem that they've set up in the U.S. Uh, with Wana and Jetty and Acreage uh, is, is second to none. And obviously, we'd all feel much better if the legal situation was a bit better than it has been. But we certainly feel like they're well positioned. Uh, if things begin to move along, even though it's taken way longer than any of us had anticipated. Well, in the same way that, unfortunately, the, the uh, way that you have to buy out the, the special class of the Sands takes long. That's November. And that could lead to some positives, too, though, right? I think it can. I, I think this is going to create uh, a very strong governance improvement uh, within our business. And, and we're very much looking forward to that passing in November. Excellent. The cash flow here, of course, is great. I don't even need to go into that. That's Bill Newens, president and CEO of Constellation Brands, STZ, whose stock is just very cheap, people. My travel trust will be in the market buying some. It, uh, Bill, it's great to see you. Thanks, Jim. Man, money's back in. Coming up, need a vacation? Keep up with Norwegian as this stock hits the open waters. Next. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What do we do with the cruise line stocks? As soon as we get over the pandemic, we started worrying about a worldwide slowdown. The whole group has been crushed. But earlier today, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, the best of breed operator, made its pitch to investors aboard their newest ship, the Norwegian Prima. I got a chance to speak with Frank Del Rio, the president and CEO of Norwegian, on board. Take a look. 
Frank, it is good to be back. No mask. We're really in person. Where are we? Because I want people to know. Jim, welcome aboard. Thank you. We are on the pool deck outside of our Haven complex. As you know, the ship within a ship uh, concept where we have luxury villas, luxury suites, uh, your own private restaurant, lounges, bar. And this is the pool deck. I mean, isn't that don't you want to jump into that yes, pool right I now? Yes, I do. It's a gorgeous day. <laughs> and I think I, I know that you had an analyst meeting today. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you what you told them about the Haven and about your new ships and, and about occupancy. You know, what I told them was stop throwing Norwegian Cruise Line holding in the same pool as our other competitors. And I think you know uh, what I mean by that. I stress the differentiation. It starts with the hardware, right. but it doesn't end there. It's the itineraries that we operate. It is the market-to-fill strategy, not discount-to-fill, right. market-to-fill strategy, and that makes all the difference in well, the world. Well, let's talk about that so people understand. You have been adamant to hold price, but then again, you're not in some of the areas that one of your competitors are where they're not doing well at all. You're in good areas, and the, the idea of not holding price to me is ludicrous given what you have. I mean, you know, the, the cruise industry has always been about the value proposition. Right. And even with our higher price. I mean, our pricing is up to 80% higher than some of our competitors, 80%. And we fill our ships, we make more, uh, you know, uh, EBITDA and everything else you, you could want from a financial perspective. And customers love it. These ships are full. This vessel just did her transatlantic. Okay. It's her debut in North America. The onboard revenue that this ship generated has all of us aghast. More than double are average in a transatlantic. Now, so you is draw that a better done Wi-Fi? Is it done alcohol? Because it's pretty much of a bargain. I don't it's, see much you can even pay for it. Well, um, you'd be surprised. Sure, excursions, spa treatments, specialty dining, um, more Wi-Fi. Uh, but look, we attract uh, a high-end customer. Right. Not just at the Norwegian brand, but we also do that at Oceana and Region. We have three brands, as you know. Each one is at the very upper end of its respective category. And there's three categories in the cruise space, contemporary, premium, and luxury. We have one in each of those. And that's why collectively, at the consolidated Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings level, we generate more revenue per person per day than our competitors by a wide margin, more EBITDA per capacity day. And so this vessel, and I've got five more of these coming, Jim, one every year for the next five years. I've got two Oceana vessels coming, the first one next May, and uh, the last of the Regent uh, uh, Explorer Series. The, the premium that these vessels command in the marketplace it's astronomical. Well, let's talk about that. I was in one of your staterooms, and it's got a living room, a beautiful bathroom. It's got a fantastic bedroom. Uh, what is that versus, say, when I go to a Four Seasons and value versus this? You must have sneaked into our investor presentation because that's one of the slides I showed. 44% difference between a cruise on this vessel and a comparable uh, uh, land resort in the Caribbean, a comparable hotel in Miami Beach. 44%. And so I think if we're going to go into some turbulent economic times, people are still going to want to go on vacation. Well, that's Jim. what everyone's saying. Like, how do you do in a recession? To me, you go for value, value. and price. You know, in other words, you want to have the best value. Yeah. And to me, that is, as you know, I feel is cruising. Now, I do uh, worry you had to take on a lot of debt because of what happened with COVID. Uh, so you have to eat away at that debt, of which you've done once before. So I'm pretty yeah. sure you can do it. Look, we've uh, we've delivered this company from 14s, 14 times back in 2010 to we were uh, we were fighting off Moody and S&P to not promote us to investment grade right before the pandemic. 
we're going to get back there. It's going to take a little time, but this industry, our company, generates so much free cash flow that first we've got to take care of, of business. We've got to pay down some of the debt that right. we incurred, and then we're going to focus on buying back our stock. Uh, hopefully, our stock won't be, uh, you know, Should where it is today. It now, but uh, you know, there's one side of me that says I, I hope it is because I, I can buy back I, a lot I of it. I think that's you know? right. Now, uh, let's talk about COVID. Uh, what's it feel like without people being masked and tested? Feels great, right? right? COVID's over, Jim. Well, what and, happens if you do get I'm a friend of mine on arrival, another on another ship? Another company, a friend of mine just got back, and there was some COVID on the ship, and they put that person in the room. Yeah. But they made them wear masks. What's your product? What's your protocol if there is COVID on board? If if you have COVID on board, we we have the similar protocols. As you know, um, uh, Scott Godley, Dr. Scott Godley, the former FDA commissioner, yeah, is sure. our is our consultant. You know Scott well, and we follow Scott's instructions. But look, let's face it: COVID today is not COVID two years ago. Right. We've got. 80% of the U.S. population is vaccinated, about a third boosted. We have medicines now to, um, to cure you, so to right, speak. If right. you, so it, it's not what it was. It's not the, the, the fear that it was. And that's why we've led the industry in getting rid of our protocols because the rest of society. The other way, too, and that's fantastic. How are bookings given this? And will 2023 be a year that we, we start talking about profitability? Yes, there's no question. Yes, you're just saying it. Yes, yes, without any qualifications. I just finished an investor event, as you know, with 200 investors, analysts, and we said the following. 2023 will have record yields, record pricing. Yields is what drives the bottom line in this industry because at the end of the day, it is a primarily fixed-cost industry, fixed-cost business. So what kind of, are you and, talking about a dollar per share? What do you or think? I can't give you that kind uh, of, Okay, you know, you know but like but, you and I have been friends for a long time. I, do you want to, no, <laughs> I can't do that, Jim. Listen, so record yields is going to lead to record EBITDA. I'll give you that. Re- that's what we told them this morning, record EBITDA. Okay, how, well, how can you be sure that you can get the staff? I mean, everybody says it's too hard to get. No, staff, no. staff is not an issue. How is that possible? Everybody says staff's not an issue. Um, remember, the majority of our crew members on board are uh, foreigners, and it's just, it's just not an issue uh, right. at all. Uh, but the question I want you to ask me is, Frank, how can you be so sure well, that I you're going to have record Well, that's why I said it. It's about uh, money, not friends. But, I mean, how do you know? Me, because it's what's in the books today. It's not that I wish... Okay. That well, I have record but things softened. Well, not all cruise lines are created equal. That was one of my themes that's today. The that's the theme today, Jim. They're not all created equal. Don't throw me in the same pool. This company is run by a bunch of entrepreneurs. We started with nothing. We've created all this, and we we know how to do this differently. And it starts with our go-to-market strategy. We market to fill. We don't discount to fill. Right. So today. We are better booked for 2023 than we were at the same time in 18 for 19. And that 19 was a record year and at materially higher prices. All right. And if I were to stay on this, where would I, where would I end up uh, three days from now? Uh, this cruise? Because this one's boarding what? If- well, but this is not our normal cruise. This is an introduction cruise to our travel agent partners, uh, some of the media. So the ship but is. But not the- me. I would have uh, paid full boat. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> get, It'll be another time. Give me your credit card. But, no, because um, you know my wife and I were going to go full boat right before COVID broke out. It's you know this is a four night cruise. It's a quickie. We're going to go up the coast to Halifax and back. Oh, fantastic! So it's not your normal cruise. No, it's not. But Halifax is a great place yeah. to go. Been there. I want to thank Frank Del Rio. We're going to of course go around the ship. You're the CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line. It is great to see you outside. Thank no you, mask. No All mask. good. All good. Stay on it back. Coming up. Hit the road to luxury without gassing up. Kramer maps out the electric future of Mercedes-Benz. Next. Eventually, this market is going to put in a sustainable bottom, at which point you want to buy the beaten down stocks of companies with the best long-term stories. Companies like Mercedes-Benz Group, the huge German luxury car maker that's building out some compelling electric vehicle offerings. Earlier this week, we got a chance to speak with Ola Kalenius. He's the CEO of Mercedes-Benz. This is a very rare interview, and it's part of CNBC's ESG Impact event. Take a look. Ola, this is one of the most major announcements I've ever heard in terms of the environment, in terms of your company, and you are a 136-year-old startup. Tell us about this. Jim, great to be with you today. When we uh, made up our mind a few years back to go what we call uh, for Ambition 2039, uh, we really first mentally flicked the switch to uh, go all in on decarbonization. Ambition 2039 is all about uh, taking CO2 out of everything we do. The obvious thing is going electric on the product, but it's more than that. It's the whole value chain, working with our suppliers to decarbonize, of course, turn our own production and operations CO2 neutral, but also make sure that the product in use, that the electricity that is used for then driving the future electric Mercedes comes from a CO2 free source. And to do this 10 years ahead of the Paris Agreement, hence Ambition 2039. But Ola, the one thing I know is that you have the best engines, the best cars, but they're internal combustion. And you have fantastic people working on internal combustion. Well, you get their buy-in to go electric. Well, in fact, uh, our founding fathers, Gottlieb Daimler and Carl Benz, were the first guys that uh, came up with the idea to put a combustion engine into, back then, a horse carriage. And they invented the automobile And that technology has served us well for those 130 plus years. But we have all realized that um, uh, climate change is real. Uh, The CO2 problem needs to be solved. Uh, And where does that problem end? It ends on the desk of our engineers. So it is obvious that going towards the CO2 free future, we got to switch energy source and thereby using then electric motors is the natural choice for the vehicle of the future even though high-tech electrified combustion engines will coexist with the electric vehicles for several years to come. Do you think that your average customer uh, is focused on going electric or average customer focused on Mercedes-Benz being the best, regardless of what it is? Well, if you get a Mercedes-Benz, you you still want to go from A to B, but in our case, you want to go from A to B in style. So it's all about that experience and uh, have the latest and greatest and best technology, but blend it with, you know, timeless luxury that just makes the product feel right. 
Uh, and now, uh, step by step, we see the market turning. And I really believe that in this decade, we will flip from being based upon uh, high-tech combustion, uh, internal combustion engines, to going dominant electric, if not all electric, in the luxury segment by the end of the decade. And as long as you give the customer a superior product to what they had before, uh, they're open-minded for a switch. Now, when I look at what you're up to, I say to myself that you guys are so far ahead of everybody else. Um, but I still question whether, say, your grid in, in Europe, I'm reading about all the crises you have, that maybe you're so far ahead, but the problems, the near-term problems in Europe with Russia could make it so that things don't work out as well as we all want. There is definitely uh, an energy uh, challenge in Europe as a result of the terrible war uh, in the Ukraine. And maybe this has been a wake-up call for Europe and also for Germany in particular to diversify in terms of energy security. So in the next two to three years, maybe four, of course this is a challenge, but I see a potential silver lining here. Maybe this will also be a catalyst for uh, speeding up the process going to uh, alternative energy sources, CO2-free energy sources. In fact, we as a company announced only a couple of weeks ago that we're going to invest in a massive wind park in northern Germany where the wind pressure is pretty good. That one investment will cover up to 15% of our uh, electricity needs in Germany alone. So uh, maybe if we take this uh, into a mid to longer term perspective, that this uh, very unpleasant wake up call could give us a strategic advantage in 2030 or beyond. Well, I want to take us a little more philosophical. Uh, I am a huge believer that business, not government, but business is the greatest force for social change. You are so far ahead of the Paris Accords. You are so far ahead of what governments want. It just seems like private industry should be saluted a little bit more in the sense that you don't have to do this. You're doing this because you think it's right. Uh, we, we, we do it because we think it's right, but we also do it because we think it's going to be the better business. I don't think there's any question uh, for a modern company, a forward-thinking modern company, that we need to decarbonize. In fact, when I speak to our most important investors, uh, whether they're European investors or American investors, they're telling us, go as fast as you can. And, and that's what we're trying to do. The policymakers, they set the framework, but then let the market, uh, uh, do, let the, market do the magic. Uh, we certainly have made up our minds, and I think that uh, uh, capital markets are going to put more pressure towards uh, decarbonization than maybe some politicians in, uh, in some countries. All right, one last question. I myself, and we are on Mad Money, very concerned about worldwide economies. Uh, you're bringing this to market right now. You're talking about it right now uh, at, at a time when Europe could be in a very bad recession. We have the Federal Reserve in this country trying to make it so that we all spend less. Uh, what do you do with the fact that the governments around the world have not been able to control the economic situation, but you're offering a very expensive vehicle, uh, albeit one that is EV? Uh, is the environment right to bring what you want to bring? Uh, we have always experienced economic cycles with uh, stronger economies and also uh, perhaps cooler economies. And needless to say, with the interest rate hikes and what's going on in the world right now, uh, one has to be prudent. And uh, maybe 2023 will be a slightly cooler environment than we have experienced up until now. 
But that that shouldn't change your overall plan to invest in the future. So we're not going to we're not going to stop investing. In fact, we're investing on the highest level ever in the in the company history for those future technologies, electrification and digitization. And at the same time, you got to work on efficiency, control your fixed costs, make sure that you're ready for an economy that maybe is a little bit weaker so that you can also navigate through uh, tougher times. I think that is, uh, is something that every company needs to do. Well, Ola, I want to thank you so much for being a visionary that can inspire. As I say, business is the greatest source of social change, and what you're doing is the social change that I think the world needs very much. Ola Kalenius, CEO of Mercedes-Benz, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jim, for having me. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round, next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round. Because money, I'm going to start with Rick in Massachusetts. Rick! Jim, booyah! How are booyah, you? Rick. Not bad. Hey, I'm 4 0. What's up? I'm calling you about a stock I've been in and out of over the past five years. Uh, AXSM, Axum Therapeutics. Okay, they're trying to cure pain, and if you can get the holy grail as pain, we know who didn't do it well, and we're not even going to mention it because they were so horrible. And I don't want people to take those drugs after day two. Just use ice. Let's go to Carlton in Tennessee. Carlton. Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call, man. Uh, of course. Small town in West Tennessee. That's the hometown of low CEO Marvin Ellison. Always look forward to your discussions with him. Oh, hey, I about? do love him and what he's done. How can I help? Icon Industries, I-E-P. Um, look, what do you think? I Bye. love Icon. The problem is you don't know what's in it. And if you don't know what's in something, then you can't make a good judgment. And that's how I feel about that stock. Let's go to John in California. John. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. First time Booyah. Thanks for Excellent. all you do. Go Eagles. Oh, thank you. Yes, go bro. Everything you just said makes me feel good. It's been a tough couple of days. How can I help? My question is on ticker symbol FSK. I want to get your opinion on that. And is that dividend sustainable? Okay, FSK is another company that it's, it's a business development company. You never know what's going on with those companies. So the idea of it's the, is the dividend sustainable is the real problem. I have no way to know. And if I have no way to know, then what I do is I say, pass. Don't buy. Don't buy. Don't buy. Let's go to Adrian in Tennessee. Adrian. Hey, Jim. Just wanted to tell you from an old Army Special Forces gunslinger, thanks for all your insights over the years. My question <laughs> is about GXO Logistics. It uh, comes from a high about 105. It's been beat down to about 36. What are your thoughts on Yeah, I on think it's ridiculous. First of all, it- thank you for serving. I think it is absolutely look, – look, listen, Adrian, this stock is ridiculously valued. There are many stocks ridiculously valued. This is one of them. We've had the company on a couple times. I really like what they do, but people have given up on logistics. That's a shame. Buy some here, buy some a little bit lower. All right, done. We're going to Fred in California. Fred. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Oh, my pleasure. 
I wanted to ask you, um, with fertilizer and lithium, what's not to like about SQM? Not much. I do like it. Uh, maybe the Chilean government getting a little too liberal versus the old days, but I've got to tell you, fertilizer's in short supply and so is lithium. That makes that stock a buy in my eyes. Let's go to Tom in Michigan. Tom. Hey, booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Booyah. Oh, my pleasure. What's happening? A long time, first time. Really enjoy your show. Thanks for everything you do. Thank uh, you. But about a year or two ago, I picked up one of the growth darlings, Encino. Encino. Yeah, well, the problem with Encino is, 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 is beginning in November of last year, I changed my mind on a lot of stocks. And those who are members of the investment club understand. I said we can't buy money losers anymore. And as much as I like Encino, I like its product, it's losing money, so we can't buy it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, looking for value and looking good doing it? Try this on for size when Mad Money returns. We often talk about something called the channel, meaning the place where inventory ends up when retailers can't sell goods. Remember, when a store can't sell its merchandise, they still need to unload it before they can bring in new stuff, especially seasonal stuff. Finding where the channel actually is, though, can be very difficult. We know for apparel, it tends to be off-price chains like TJ Maxx and Marshalls, both part of the company TJX, which is why we own so much of it for the Travel Trust. I like to describe these stores as the preferred channel for dumping unwanted clothes. These days, they're practically overwhelmed with new merchandise. They can pick and choose, which is fantastic for them because it means they can pick the best stuff and sell it at a decent price. TJX is the ideal stuff, stock for this kind of highly promotional environment. I would buy it aggressively. Buy, 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 Sometimes you can do field work on channel checks, but they're never really perfect. Uh, even expert analysts who do elaborate channel checks on Apple, the biggest company in the world, often get it wrong, and they do it for a living. Now, my favorite, though, is a bit of an oddity. I do a channel check by monitoring what's for sale at a place called Ollie's Bargain Outlet. I'm a proud member of Ollie's Army, which is a special discount club, not a paramilitary organization. I always find myself buying much more than I expected to when I go to one. Last time I went in for a tarp that was half the price anyone else was offering, I ended up buying a cooler and a bunch of books, too, because they were just so cheap. They were attractive. That's because Ollie's bought this merchandise from companies that were desperate to get rid of their excess inventory, allowing them to pay outrageously low prices. That's why I love to look at the weekly Ollie's Army email flyer. Because it shows you by its discounts what's in the channel. The stuff that traditional retailers just can't sell. Of course, that doesn't mean the products themselves aren't selling in some locations. And it certainly doesn't mean the quality's no good. It just means there's a general lack of demand for the items in question. So those items had to be dumped into the channel. And the channel is Ollie's. And what I saw in this week's bulletin from Ollie's just kind of crushed my expectation for a couple of companies. For example, let me give you the, the lead item this week was a Keurig coffee maker, the same one I recently bought on Amazon. But if I waited, I could have gotten it for 50% less from Ollie's. I know that a major firm downgraded Keurig Dr. Pepper last week. Maybe they knew that there was too much Keurig inventory and this stuff wasn't selling at full price. Makes sense. Or maybe Bed Bath & Beyond, which is loaded with Keurigs, saw them with my own eyes in my recent store visit, decided to dump them from the stores they're closing. Either way, it's not good for the stock of Keurig Dr. Pepper. I don't want to own it. Then I saw a host 
a host of products that are made by Newell. Sell, 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 sell. Including ridiculous discounts on Yankee Candle. I'm going to pass on that one, too. Both Hanes and Gildan, the clothing companies, have merchandise that were half the price of the big deals on Amazon. In some cases, a little bit more. Hard pass there. I even saw Black & Decker paint for prices that were so low, I feel compelled to go to Ollie's and buy some this weekend. Always needs a paint. How about Weber Spices? Yes, the grill company. For one-third the price you'll find at Walmart. Not much Weber left to sell. Oh, and there's, then there were these SOS steel wool cleaning pads by Clorox. But there's nothing new there. Those have been up for sale for a while, and I'm not sure Clorox is right to dump anymore. So what do you do if you own the stocks of these companies that can't move the merchandise at full price? It's an important negative data point, and you have to include both the purveyor and the product into your thinking. You have to guess at the purveyor. You know the product. And if the product's not selling, you probably don't want to own the stock. This is all part of the homework that I do before we buy anything for the Chattel Trust. And you should do the same kind of research before you're pulling the trigger on any stock, especially in what we know is a tricky, if not hazardous, environment. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.